And welcome to another installment of Two Canters Walk Into a Bar. We Ouch. are so glad you walked into the bar. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> I'm Cantor Matt Axrod, the cantor of Congregation Beth Israel in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. And I am here with the injured. <laughs> the now injured. I was the inimitable. Okay. You were inimitable, but then, but then you walked into a bar and stepped your Ouch. foot. But who are you? I am Cantor Penny Myers of Temple Beth Zion and in beautiful, balmy Buffalo, New York. So in consideration for our <laughs> friends from Buffalo, and because we have a full program packed for today, we will dispense with this portion of the podcast where we usually <laughs> make fun of Buffalo. That will not take place this time. We is not a we. So you are in for a treat this afternoon as we're sitting at the bar because we are going to be joined by a special guest star and we're talking all about um, females in the profession. Female cantors, female rabbis, female clergies. Now Matt. Did I say clergies? <laughs> <laughs> Did. And and this no, wait, and I wait, can't wait. even blame the drink because you, we just walked we, into the we, bar. We, well, I literally just walked into the okay. bar. But Matt, you've not I, touched I, on I, the. I touched on. <laughs> yeah, I did not nothing. touch anything. You let didn't alone touch clergies. anything. I just want to make sure that everyone out there knows that there is a reference to the F word being female and the C word of clergy. And the bartender just looked at us. Hey, we're not off. Old fashioned. We're not start. already drunk. Come on. Okay. And uh, so our guest star has walked in, she's joined us, and we are thrilled to have her. We are here with none other than Hazan Alisa Pomerantz Barrow. We you will getting that right. I well I do the best I, I <laughs> do did not my call I, her Alyssa. I will Thank I do my fact much. finding. She'll stab now you. before we get into the good stuff we're gonna talk about Alisa, what are you drinking this afternoon? Well, I'm gonna either have my choice of a nice scotch, mm-hmm. I could go bourbon, or a nice red wine. All right. What do that, you suggest? What do you uh, have? well we're having our usual old, penny. Old fashions. We have our old fashions yeah. in well, front of us. And Another again, favorite. if any bourbon company or Scotch Company wants to sponsor it. Yeah. We are not above or below any kind of no, we're, Macallan. We're, well, we're, speak we're for not. yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit particular with what I'll Well, drink. tell us what you, who you I like mean, to sponsor. I don't, I don't like Petey, and it has to be, I'm a little bit snobby about oh, my wow. Scotch. You're allowed I to do. be. I you're, do the prefer, pre- you're the president. Um, I do okay. prefer the top shelf. All right, so let's introduce Alisa awesome. to the public, because um, while we're sitting with her, not everybody knows uh, who she is. So Hazan pomerantz Barrow is currently the um, president of the Cantor's Assembly. Woo-hoo. She proudly serves Congregation Beth L. in yes. Voorhees, New Jersey. Thank you very much. Uh, not see? Jason. No. No, Voorhees. Right, right. No. She, used she's... to be formerly of Cherry Hill. Now, okay. Now it's okay. Voorhees. Um, what I would just say South Jersey, but that's mm-hmm. just, okay, from my geographical standpoint. Um, well, there are a lot of Bethels, so we should be clear okay. on that. Point taken. Um, and, Elisa, we wanted to talk with you this afternoon because we wanted to get your relevant and fresh perspective on what we've been talking about, which is what it's like to be a female member of the clergy. Except yeah, and uh, what unique perspectives you bring to this, and how really how it's changed over the years. Um, and I think it's worth noting that you come from a family of clergy. That I do, Matt. Okay, so I love being a female clergy. Well, you I, really I have never been anything other than a female that clergy. That is true. I, I uh, my father is a rabbi, and my grandfather was a chazan, also. 
and um, there's a long lineage in my family that you become a rabbi or a cantor. Um, I never gave my gender much thought, to be honest with you. I but was always like, people say, when did you know you'd be a chazan? And I'd say, in utero. So this was always yeah. an option to you, even before, because you and I sort of came up around the same time, and it was not common or even accept or even possible in the conservative movement for females to become cantors and well, rabbis a little before and then cantors, but this was not common when you were growing up, and yet well, it was no. still presented as an option? Um, it was never presented as an option. It was just something my parents raised me to think that I could be whatever I wanted to be. I never gave gender any thought. I, I just, I'm very fortunate that my dad was the rabbi, and I have an older sister. Um, she doesn't like me to say it, but she's in fact older <laughs> than I am. Um, and now everybody knows it. Yes, yeah, thank you. Um, and in the show growing up, it was very, it was completely egalitarian because my father, my parents had two daughters before they had two sons. And so I was reading Torah at my bat mitzvah. I read the entire Torah portion and I led all the davening. And I actually was singing in the choir from, I think, the age of four. Mm. Um, and singing and davening has always been a part of my life. And then right after my bat mitzvah, I started teaching other kids for their bar and bat mitzvah. Um, and becoming a regular Torah reader and essentially doing a lot of, not all of, but many parts of the job that I do today officially as a cantor, it was always part of my life. So did I ever think about, oh, I don't have any female role models who are cantors. I never did. I just never thought about it. So that leads me into what I wanted to ask you as well is do you in turn feel that you either are or should be a role model specifically for other Jewish girls? Or do you not think about it at all, and you're just um, the cantor, male I, or female? That's a great question. I don't. I don't live my life um, thinking I should be anything, but I think that I live my life as as who I am and being the best me that I can be. De facto, I have been a role model for for, for girls and for boys, and I think that learning to know that all people no matter what our gender are are made in the image of God and so that the fact that I'm a female shouldn't be an issue my, my it shouldn't be an issue but my platform has always been it shouldn't matter that I'm a female and and you know I have stories after stories you know like when I first started out and there were not female cantors around and I was standing with I remember with my then fiance now I've been married to for almost 29 years uh, you want a shout out? Yeah, Stephen Burrow. Woohoo! <laughs> we love him. Temple University. <laughs> um, so we, we have a special fondness uh, around here for not only uh, members of the clergy but spouses of members of the clergy. Sure yes, yeah, okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, so we would be standing, and you know, in, at my new job as a little pisher. And they would say, have you met our new cantor? And they would automatically shake Stephen's hand wow. because they would think that he was the cantor because he was the masculine, the male in the couple. That's very um, interesting. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's actually really cool to be a role model. I think um, when somebody says, I didn't know that boys could be cantors, that kind of bothers me because I want people to not have gender bias in any way, shape or form. But the fact is, we still have work to do. We can't become complacent. And this goes with everything, well, no matter what kind of profession or what kind of life we want to lead. And, and how we dress matters for us more. And what everything. you know, everything matters. How, how our hair is styled. And, you know, um, 
we are much more, we're treated differently, for sure. Not that I know what it's like to be treated as a man, but, you know. Why, do you want to be a female cantor? I have never actually <laughs> wanted to be a female cantor. Okay. <laughs> you know why? Because it's, I just can't deal with the outfit changes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Or pants on the female. Yeah, that, that works. So, Penny, do you also face a lot of what Elise is talking about? Do you have Ab- to worry about, you know, what you're wearing and what you look like around and so forth? Absolutely. I mean, to to echo what Elisa was saying, how incredibly powerful I feel that she is as a role model for me as a female Chazan, or just even as a Chazan, like Elisa, I have a groundbreaking female cantor who is a member of my shul, Cantor Barbara Ostfeld, the very first female invested or ordained cantor from Hebrew Union College 10 years or so before the conservative movement allowed them. So when I look at Elisa, who I call my colleague, but I think of more as a friend, and I look at Barbara, who's also colleague and a friend, that there's these two female role models with whom I learn from, but yet understand innately some of the struggle and some of the the hurdles that we face as female. And it's not just relegated just to the synagogue. I think it's in every profession, just speaking also with my husband in the medical profession. Same thing, same thing there is that I, I think that we as women often are not placed with the same you're not you're not treated with the same gravitas maybe that a male colleague would be exactly we have to earn it i think we have to earn it and i still even after all these years i still feel like i work 150 percent harder than i probably should so do you do you think that there's a level then of resentment, um, maybe even under the surface, that you bring or that you might be tempted to bring if, you, if you're complacent or if you're not aware of it? That's a, wow, that's a, a loaded question. I was going to say it's a yeah, loaded word, that's, resentment. Um, I, not resentment for anything that I've gone through. But um, those nuts look great, Penny. Yeah, um, well, because the, the bartender keeps on bringing them over, <laughs> right, and we've waved them off a million times. Um, so the younger, the next generation of female colleagues, um, which probably goes across the board in not just clergy, but probably I would imagine in any among prof- the other professions, amongst professional working women, is is a different attitude and different approach. They might feel that jobs should accommodate them you know as as moms and it's really tricky it's a very tricky road because I did not ever want the fact that I happen to be a female to be an excuse for less than adequate best behavior best practice best work that should never affect my work life just as you know any man with children shouldn't shouldn't use as as an excuse to not do their best work it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be a good parent as well, but stop using that as a reason to not be able to do this or not be able to be at that meeting. So in a perfect world, regardless of gender, everyone is just doing the very best they can and working on a, on a level playing field, even though it may, the reality may not be like that, but that... But That's if what we we're going want, for. If we, are, if we want equal pay, let's get to the brass tacks mm. here. If we want mm-hmm. equal pay, then we need to do 
for me, it's above and beyond work still. But we need to do equal work. Except, except, sorry to interrupt, but the question about pay is something that comes up before you even work a day in your position because it's something that's negotiated ahead of time under a certain set of assumptions. Um, whether that's, you know, we don't need to pay you as much because your husband's going to be the, the breadwinner mm-hmm. or, you know, um, you know, or you lack the savvy to negotiate better terms. So we're going to, you know, kind of inherently take advantage of you. So you may over the course of time in a successful position eventually get to a point where you're paid where you should be paid. But I think that initially there's a discrimination and there's an assumption. Well, that's the problem. If there are women who are working fewer hours because of their out their home life, then they should get paid less. But if there are women who are working the amount of hours for a full-time position or whatever said position is, they should be paid. Their, their gender should not be a piece of the puzzle in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely. The, ex- the expectation should be, these are what you're going to do at your job, this is the expectations of you, whether you're female or male, and this is what we're going to compensate. This and is how you'll be compensated. I mean, I also think it also just also bleeds over not only in gender lines, but I think just in general. Like, if you pay any human being, any adult, you know, what is reasonable, what is expected, what is the level of standard of... of reimbursement or payment for services, whether it is full-time, whether it's hours, whether it's by job description, whether it's by portfolio. I mean, I think that that, that is just something in general that I, I believe that our society is not necessarily adhering itself well to. You know, I agree with you. I think that, I think that also that, that work-life balance is a female. As, as a mom, also a mom, I think that there is a different kind of bias where if I, if, or in the times that I have left to take care of a sick child, I have been criticized for doing so as not being focused and not being committed, where as if my husband does, it's he's, he's a he's, hero, he's Mr. He's Dad, Mr. He's Dad. Right. Yep. right, right, that's right. exactly what So, Alisa, have you come across these specific situations in your position, a past position, where you feel that maybe you've been singled out differently or that the playing field hasn't been completely level? I haven't because I have worked like a dog, because I don't let in my husband will leave work before I will leave work. Mm-hmm. Because, he has, because he has more flexibility because of my schedule. And and so it was also uh, when my kids were younger that I was the one who was more flexible and, and portable and close and you know so forth. So it, it made sense Isn't that to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be very curious to hear, you know, parallel wise, you both op- you 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 operated very similarly to her husband, if I'm hearing that correctly, that you had a little more flexibility in, in the schedule, and, and I'm, I'm curious... Because by definition, at working at Temple, I'm very close to home. So I'm close to where my kids go to school, and where they, when they were very little, went to daycare. Um, so, and whereas my wife worked elsewhere, I was the one who would so, be on so call to make the trips and you do... you paid less because you left work? Of course not. Okay, so not. that's my so point. That's, right. point. that's exactly not. it. So right. women who are working to and leaving to take care of their children, 
they're going to be paid less because they have to go take care of the children. So I, that's the problem. Yep. So, so let me also, so sort of to go off on another... Uh, I'm going to another, another drink now oh, because it's getting a little bit too <laughs> yeah, serious. I know, I know. Right. This is definitely, this is definitely a, 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 a multi-drink <laughs> yes, topic. Episode. But do you think that there are any issues um, with being female clergy that are specific to Judaism and then even to more specific to be in a conservative synagogue? But certainly females as we were talking about, face this sort of thing. You keep on saying the F word. It, it <laughs> so sorry, I didn't mean to use that. Okay. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry about that. I had a drink, Penny. And, uh, I am, don't worry. You know, obviously this transcends all professions, all, you know, um, but it, and in a way it, it certainly applies to all female clergy, but do you think that there are any issues that are just specifically Jewish with female clergy? Well, interestingly, the first thing that I thought of was the liturgy. So the liturgy, you know, the whole religion, yeah. quite frankly, is, is, is male-based, yep. right? So what used to be a religion for men, by men, about men, that's changing slowly. But the liturgy, you well, know, the Torah scroll is not changing. Women's voices are very few and far between. Well, the the Hebrew grammar is not changing. Correct. It's it's a gender-based right. language. And there are there are congregations who add the matriarchs, mm -hmm. and there are those like mine who do not. And so, you know, traditionally the women are not mentioned. So, I think that's a specific Jewish And and, and also just to to go on with that is like if if all the liturgy is male-based and the gender, you know, because Hebrew has to be written uh, masculine or feminine, mm -hmm. so if the gender is written by default masculine, uh, a female cantor who's leading the prayers mm -hmm. has to actually change the words to have them make any kind of sense. So here's what I say. And I, I did a whole thing on Jewish Women's Archive. You can check it out. <laughs> Elisa Palmer and Sparrow, written, <laughs> written by... Um, uh, uh, Sophie Gardenswartz. Anyway. Would you like to sponsor this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jewish Women's Archive, amazing. Um, so she interviewed me and we spoke. And so what, what she came out with was what I said was I did her brother's bar mitzvah ceremony. It was a private ceremony. We created our own prayer book. We use the traditional prayers. I'm not one to change the prayers that are written on the page because it's written down for generations and generations. How, who am I to change that? However, what we changed was the English translation of the Hebrew to make it gender neutral. And for me, when I pray as the prayer leader, I'm thinking of myself in almost, not gender neutral, because I'm aware of my, that I'm a female, but I don't think about the prayers as being masculine. I think of them as being people. So let me... Uh, follow up on that uh, and just to explain to listeners who are not familiar there's a very famous prayer that is recited on the high holidays it is called the Hinani um, for, for those of you who attend synagogue and have seen this you know what I'm talking about it's the the pièce de résistance for you know cantors to come in and they pray on behalf of the congregation and it's it can be very theatrical it can it can take on all sorts of aspects and it's basically saying Hinani here I am and it's written, unusually, it's written in the first person singular, which is very unusual for liturgy. And it's a statement by the cantor to say, here I am, I'm here on behalf of all of these people whose sins are even not as much as my sins. And I'm here in utter humility, 
and I'm here to do whatever I can do to have my prayers accepted. Was that a decent enough? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, summary. Okay. But the problem is that the language is extremely male-centric. Um, almost, I mean, not, first of all, it's written in the male tense, in the male gender, but it also uses uh, imagery like, you know, here I am and my beard is, is long, as if to say I'm, I'm old and with experience and I'm sort of a seasoned canter, but I'm going to assume that our female colleagues do not have long beards. So well, okay. And we would like to invite sponsorship Come from back, absolutely. Absolutely. Come back in forty years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so you, you said that you are uncomfortable changing the words of the of the sidur, of the of the liturgy, but correct. certainly, if not here, where? So um, what do you do there? I do not change the words. Again, I I don't think about the human form about gender. I am representing the people in the kahal, in the congregation. I do not recite the line, the one line that says my beard is long. Okay. That is all I okay. exclude. Okay, so, and, but, but so, I don't change it. There are, there are versions that have the, all of it feminized. Right, right. Not a big it's fan. It's in the new okay. Yeah, I'm not right. a big fan. I just feel like it's changing it unnecessarily. I think about it, things are written... In Hebrew, if you're talking a basic person or a group of people that can have male and female, it's in the in the masculine. Well, and there might be girls in the group. There might be females in the group, and you still use the masculine form of the word. Because I'm okay with Okay, but if I can play devil's advocate for a minute, we know that in the um, introductory blessings that open up every service, there are blessings, and one of them is we thank God for making us a free person. And in Hebrew, that's Ben Chorin, which is a masculine. Ben. Um, and a female recites, and it's right there in the prayer book, um, that made me bat that made me female gender, a free person. Why can't there be a similar parallel change now for females who are reciting Hinani, which is not on, which is not plural, which is not everybody, but is actually a singular person where you yourself are speaking and really, by definition, using grammatically the wrong tense. The wrong, you know, the wrong gender. Right. It's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't I have mean, an answer. I'm just I, not comfortable. As, as I said, playing devil's advocate, but just yeah. putting it out there. I think there are some things that are holy cows. So, for example, sacred cows. Holy cow is an exclamation. Holy like holy, holy cow. cow! Holy cow! I the, have like no more. The bartender's taking a long time fashion. with the other drink. Seriously? <laughs> I know. No, you know what it is. I think there are things that are sacred. Sacred cows. Sacred cows of like. In the Reconstructionist movement, when the Reconstructionist movement was evolving, Dr. Mordechai Kaplan, who was a conservative-trained mm-hmm. rabbi, and I served the Reconstructionist shul at one point in my career, so I can say this with some authority, that there was even great debate about even whether or not you were going to change um, Avinu Malkenu or get rid of it, our petitionary right. prayer. Uh, Avinu Malkenu literally means our father, our king. Right, and I serve a reform synagogue, so I I think that there are certain things like what Elisa suggests that there's some things that you know you just are 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 sacred cows. You don't want to change so much that you don't recognize tradition. It, it is a fine line. It, it is, is, a, really it is fine a fine line. line. Well, we're coming to the end of our time, so first of all, we would 
definitely like to thank our wonderful friend, Hazan Alisa Pomerantz Burrow. Thank you for being well with us. And, and as, you know, as when I introduced her, I said that she was currently the uh, president of the Cantor's Assembly. And I'm very proud to add that Alisa is actually the second female president of the Cantor's Assembly. So we are, we in the Cantor's Assembly have a proud tradition of egalitarianism and and we're getting we're, there it's a process but i'd like to think that we're ahead of the curve um and that it's important that the process is very important to us thank you um, let me can i share something I, I i deliberately did not want to be the first female president i had been asked actually and i said no I did not want to be the first because I all was you would, hoping all you would be is the first. I president. was hoping that gender would be a non-starter at this by this time, and what I decided that, especially with the Me Too movement and everything else that's gone on during during my two years as president, that we're not done and we cannot become complacent. And I know I'm getting serious again, but I think that <laughs> even when we're done interviewing, you can still have another <laughs> drink if you want. Okay, yes. I will. Um, it's helping. Thanks. Um, where was I? Thanks see, a lot. See, yeah, see. Yeah, that happened when you drank it off. Now it's three kids. That happens Wait all the time. No, but it was uh, important what uh, I was saying. Uh, no, we're, that, not, we're not done yet. That we're, we're not, not done yet. yet. We can't become complacent. But also, being the second means we've made progress. It's, because if there was only just the first, and that was all, the first and only, right. not, but now being the second is is really cool. And we just are just elected our third female officer who will be joining our in line for the presidency in about 11 years so that's wonderful and um well we're also going to have a female president in about four years as well correct yes. or correct. something like four. that four yeah. six i can't i can't keep track but which is great yeah, I, and i'm hoping that it doesn't matter and it still matters I know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that we don't have to have this conversation. Well, uh, I, unfortunately, I don't think on. it's anytime soon. But thank you for the opportunity. Well, I'm grateful to be here. And yeah. we loved Thanks having you. No problem. Come oh, back. Oh, you're not buying? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this just got awkward fast, so we better take off. Anyway. Thanks, All guys. right. So thank you for being with us. And uh, so that will wrap things up for us right now. We uh, hope you've enjoyed. Joining us for drinks. Penny, did you like to drink? I, I always like to drink. And as Elisa said, she didn't minute, want to have the conversation. I was hoping she was going to say didn't have the conversation of cutting us off at the bar. I don't know. I was just going to say, Penny, how many, while we were talking, how many <laughs> drinks did you actually have? Quite quite a bit, right. Matt. Quite well, Matt. Matt. Well, next time, <laughs> as we always like to say when we uh, sign things off, when you uh, join us for uh, at the bar, drinks, drinks are, are on us. us.